Our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 48. This is one of the resurrection appearances of Jesus after that first Easter. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to see beyond the walls of our religion. Help us to see beyond uh, the realm of our culture. Help us to see people the way that you see them and love them the way that you love them. And yes, help us to share the good news of forgiveness with all nations. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, once again, the disciples are at it. They just don't get it. They had a habit of listening to Jesus, but not actually hearing the things that he said. It just doesn't register with them. Well, first look at the resurrection. Over and over again, Jesus told them that he was going to be betrayed, crucified, and rise again. He spelled it out for them time and again, and yet not one of them understood. Even in today's text, they're standing there looking at the resurrected Jesus, and they don't, they don't get it. They don't believe their own eyes. They, they can't believe what they're seeing. Jesus has to essentially resort to parlor tricks to convince them that it really is him, showing them his hands and his feet and eating some food in front of them because everyone knows that ghosts can't eat. Uh, they just, they, they had heard, but they didn't really understand and they didn't believe. Uh, and they turn right around and do it again, right back to their old tricks. As soon as they begin to believe that Jesus really is resurrected, he tells them to do something. He tell, he speaks something to them again. He tells them that forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to all nations. They hear him say it. They're just not listening. Uh, his words don't make sense to them. You see, Jews have no dealings with other nations. Uh, they consider other nations unclean. Uh, for them, they don't even think that uh, that God would be interested in those other nations. So why should they be interested in them? So they hear Jesus say these words, to proclaim forgiveness of sins to all nations, but they just don't hear, and they certainly don't follow. They ignore what Jesus says. They're standing there looking at the resurrected Jesus, the one who has conquered the power of death, hell, and the grave. He's told them to go do something, and they just flat out ignore it. In fact, for the first seven chapters of Acts, the good news of forgiveness stays securely locked behind the walls of Jerusalem. 
with the exception of the day of Pentecost when visitors happened to be there in Jerusalem where they could hear the story. But the disciples never bother to leave the walls of Jerusalem to do the very thing that Jesus told them to do, to proclaim forgiveness of sins to all nations. They just don't leave. They, they don't go do it. Finally, in Acts chapter 8, the disciples begin to preach forgiveness to Samaria and to other parts of the, of the world, but not because Jesus told them to. Even when they do finally take forgiveness of sins to the nations, it's not out of obedience. It's because Stephen was martyred and a persecution arose against the Jews as Jewish Christians, so they're running for their lives. And as they run for their lives, they tell the story. In Acts chapter 15, they actually hold what we would call a general conference. They get all the leaders of the church together in Jerusalem for what is known as the Jerusalem Council. The topic for the council is to decide whether or not the church should do what Jesus told them to do. The question that's discussed throughout the entire chapter is, is it okay for Gentiles, for, for non-Jews, for the nations, is it okay for them to become Christian? And what are the qualifications for them to become Christian? Do they have to become Jewish first and then become Christian? And so there's this entire intriguing chapter right there in the middle of Acts that really asks the question, is it okay for the church to do what Jesus told the church to do? It's a whole chapter of the New Testament dedicated to asking if it's okay to follow Jesus. It wasn't the first time the disciples faced that question. More than once they had to choose between their religious rules and following Jesus. Do you remember the story of the woman who anoints Jesus' feet with oil and, and washes them with her tears and dries them with her hair? Uh, all four Gospels tell the story. It's a, a super important story in the scriptures. Uh, Luke refers to the woman as a sinner, a woman of the city. We don't actually know her story. We don't know what her sin is. A lot of people have assumed that she was a prostitute, and that may be true. But Simon the Pharisee, the man whose house they were in, uh, did know her. He was familiar with her. And he recognized her as a sinner, as unclean. Uh, that she didn't belong in his house. That she didn't belong there. She didn't belong talking to Jesus. And she knew they would have felt that way about her. Man, how much courage did it take for her to actually show up to, to the house? Uh, I'm amazed when people that have been rejected by religion for so long keep seeking out Jesus. And that's exactly what she did. She must have seen Jesus at some point. Maybe, uh, maybe speaking in the temple or one of the synagogues or out in the fields. She must have heard him speak because she believed, she was convinced that Jesus would treat her differently than her religion did. Her religion said she didn't matter. Her religion said she was unclean. Her religion called her a sinner, but she believed that Jesus would treat her differently. Now she knew she was unwelcome in Simon the Pharisee's house. She knew she didn't belong there. Everything in her life told her that she didn't belong. I wonder what she was thinking as she reached for the door to open it. I wondered if she considered running away. It was, was it just too risky? But she overcomes that fear and she goes in and she kneels at Jesus' feet. She breaks open that costly perfume on him and she washes his feet and dries them with her hair. 
Simon is embarrassed. Uh, Simon even shames Jesus for not knowing what kind of woman this is. A real prophet wouldn't let somebody like her even touch him. Simon's thinking is, let's keep forgiveness behind the walls of proper religion. Let's keep this, let's keep our story with the clean folks. But Jesus doesn't think that way at all. Jesus welcomes her. Uh, Jesus forgives her. Uh, Jesus makes room for her. He affirms her as valuable to, to God. Uh, and there's not even any message in this one. He doesn't tell her, go and sin no more. There's none of that. He just welcomes and affirms this woman that everybody else says is unclean. Whatever God has said is clean. Don't dare call unclean. Forgiveness of sins is preached to all nations, to all people. The question remains, are we going to follow Jesus or religious leaders, the experts in the law? Are we going to welcome her or are we going to send her away? I've faced the question far too often and too often I've made the wrong decision. Uh, I remember when I was in college, uh, my one of my brothers uh, got divorced during my college years. During those years as I was cutting my teeth in ministry and really beginning to dig in and getting excited about serving in ministry for for my life, um, his marriage was falling apart and and uh, he he wound up getting a divorce. Man, it made me mad. It, it angered me. You see, our family had never been through divorce. We at least kept up the pretense of a solid Christian family. We didn't, uh, we, I had convinced myself that we didn't have the problems that those other families had. I was really super proud of our spotless record, especially when it came to divorce. And now my brother was, was making our family unclean. He was, uh, he, his story was a blot on our perfect record. I didn't like the way that made me feel. I didn't, uh, I didn't like the way it made my family look. In the arrogant religiosity of my college years, I judged him to be a sinner. Now he and I had been super close growing up. He was, uh, he's the closest to me in age, and in a lot of ways, we really were the closest. But man, I rejected him. I was, uh, I, I treated him unclean, like he didn't belong. And to be honest, our relationship's never been the same. Um, and, and it hurts. I, I hate that I made that decision. I hate that I rejected him at a time when he was hurting. You know, nobody really chooses divorce. Uh, things didn't work out for him. And uh, all I did was make things worse, I'm afraid. Well, if we can use the rules to crucify our own families... How much easier is it to reject the other nations? If we can't even offer grace to those that are closest to us when they're struggling, when they're going through life's difficulties, then how easy is, is it for us to withhold grace from those outside the family? It becomes so easy for those of us in the church to say, let's keep forgiveness behind the walls with those of us who know how to behave. Let's keep our story with those of us who believe. Is that the way we want to be? Is that what we think it means to be the church? Or do we dare carry the message beyond the walls? Will we now finally, after 2,000 years, finally listen to what Jesus said, that 
Forgiveness of sins is to be preached to all nations, to all people, that we're to welcome and to affirm people all around the world. Will we be the ones to carry that message? Because it's needed now more than ever. Uh, More than 31 million people in America have been to our churches and left. They have They have come to a place that should have been family, that should have provided forgiveness and grace and healing. And over 31 million of them have walked away for some reason, many of them because they just didn't find it true for them. And I'm not exaggerating. I've seen the research. Those are the actual numbers. People that show up and become a part of our family, but then life happens. The number one reason that people leave the church oddly enough, is not because of the preacher. It's not because they get mad at the preacher or some church member. The number one reason people leave the church is because they have a family crisis. And in the midst of crisis, a divorce or a financial hardship or a drug dependency, in the face of crisis, they feel ashamed to be at church. They feel like they don't belong. They hear Simon the Pharisee's message, you don't belong here, and they walk away. Teens walk away from church because they don't think they belong anymore because they no longer pass the purity test. For a couple of decades now, we have stressed purity, saving yourself to marriage so much so that when teens no longer uh, can pass that test, they think they no longer have a place in the church. It breaks my heart that, that we are being so harsh, so judgmental, we turn people away for those reasons. Uh, People feel like they're unwanted because their marriage vows ended in divorce rather than till death do us part. Uh, Often when people are divorced, they feel like church is no longer a place for them. They've committed that uh, unpardonable sin and they're they're at least second-class citizens now in our churches, and that breaks my heart. Um, Jesus welcomed those folks. Millions of people are walking away from us because our standards come across as too high, our judgment is too harsh. So today we still hear the question, will we follow Jesus or hide behind church rules? Will we follow this Jesus who said, proclaim forgiveness to all the nations? Will we follow this Jesus who welcomed the woman who anointed his feet? Will we follow that Jesus or will we follow our rules? Because I got to tell you, sometimes they're going opposite directions. May God give Forest Lake the grace to be a home for all of the people the other churches don't want. If you've had your struggles, if you're listening to this and you've been through divorce or you've been through an addiction, you've been through a family crisis, financial problems, job loss, uh, the kids no longer meet the purity code, whatever it is, whatever in this world is telling you that you no longer belong, I want you to know that Jesus still loves you. I still love you and I want you. I pray that Forest Lake will welcome all of the folks that the other churches don't want. Amen.